You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Oh Come On podcast hosted by Tasha and Al. As always, we are with you here coming in hot from Calgary and Toronto. Al, how's it going? What's going on over there? Well, the first thing I'll say is coming in hot is not the terminology to be using right now because it was oh. like minus one last night, I think it was. Uh, and uh, in, in Toronto, I was out last night and it was very, very cold. So can we say coming in kind of cold, coming in kind of cool right now? Because it's... <laughs> but no, all is good. All is good. Thank you for uh, for asking. It's uh, it's a beautiful sunny day, at least. But just perfect on the cool side for sure. Okay, but you're bringing the energy, right? Because yes. we have a great guest today. Um, such a great guest that you and I are not really even going to talk about anything. We're just going to bring her in right away because she deserves lots of time. Uh, Haley Wickenheiser has found some time. I don't know how to join us on the show. She just released a book. It's called Over the Boards, Lessons from the Ice. I bought it a couple days ago. I raced through it. Uh, It's awesome. Super inspiring. I remember in uh, 2010, I was working as a sports reporter at CTV Edmonton, and I had to go to the university because the women's hockey team was there, the University of Calgary Dinos, and Haley was playing on that hockey team because she had gone back to school to get her science degree. Cool. And we're both the same age. Like we were, uh, we're the same age now. We were in our early 30s at the time. And I remember interviewing her and thinking, I can't believe like she was so accomplished already, right? All those gold medals, and <laughs> champions, and Olympic medals. And then she was going back to school and I went back to school at 26 and it was so hard for me. And she was going back at 31 or 32 or whatever it was to get this degree and then become a doctor. And I thought, my God, how is, how is she doing this? Like she must want to do this so bad. And now that I've kind of read the book and, you know, know a little bit more about her, you can just see this crazy work ethic she has and how badly she wanted it. And here she is now 10 or 11 years later or whatever, um, a doctor since we did that interview. So she is, yeah, a four-time Olympic gold medalist, a world hockey Amazing. champion, a mother, a doctor, a coach, and now an author. Do you do any of those things, Alex? Well, nothing. None. That's pretty cool too. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, but that, but I mean, she is, uh, uh, yeah, as accomplished as it gets. And uh, I have another cool feature of her, and I've just read it fairly, uh, fairly recently this morning, and that was she was. I'm a video game guy. Okay, I love. I grew up playing video games. I grew up playing the all the sports games, NHL, NBA, and Madden, and the like. And and Haley was the first uh, of two real female hockey players to be in a video game, a playable yeah. character in a video game in NHL 13. So her and someone named Angela Ruggiero, Ruggiero yeah. were yeah. the first two playable characters in a, female characters in a video game, which is an amazing accomplishment. If you think, I mean, besides everything else you just mentioned, besides all the other. <laughs> Gold medals and all that stuff—that means uh, means a whole lot. Can you imagine playing yourself in a video game and you—that's you. Like that's the coolest thing ever, I think. Well, you might have to ask her that. I wonder if she knows if she's in that video game. She probably does, but that's a cool thing for sure. Yeah, right. So no, I think look, and I think as you, you know, hockey is Canada's game, and I think Haley is probably the one name that comes to mind when you say Canada women's hockey. I think so anyway. Maybe right, a woman's. Canadian hockey player. I think Haley is probably the first name that comes to mind. So it's amazing guest. I can't wait to talk to her. Uh, and uh, and all the accomplishments you mentioned. That's 
Amazing. And she was also quite an accomplished softball player, apparently, right? Or yes. baseball player, or slow pitch player, or no, fastball player, sorry. Um, yep. So seemingly just an athlete all around. Totally. There are lots of layers to her. She is super skilled in all kinds of areas. Um, so let's do this. Let's bring her in. Here she is. Haley, thank you so much for joining us. We know you are super busy. Uh, how are things going out there in Toronto right now? Yeah, thanks, Natasha. It's good to chat with you. Um, well, all is well. The season is young. There's uh, lots of uh, open promise in the air in fall. Um, and, uh, you know, on, in my other side of life, which is in medicine, I think uh, Ontario is doing fairly well with uh, the COVID situation, a little better than Alberta at the moment. So uh, so that seems to be going well. People are following all the, the orders and hopefully we're going to get out of the worst of this soon. Right. We will get into the COVID stuff for sure a little bit later, but I want to, first of all, um, talk about the book that you just wrote that just came out. I bought it a couple of days ago. I read through it. It was great. It's called Over the Boards, Lessons from the Ice. And you, I mean, when COVID hit and everybody realized they were going to be stuck at home for a while with nothing to do, people said, oh, this is a great time to take up a new instrument or write a new book. Nobody actually did, but you did. You wrote a book. <laughs> during COVID. Can you kind of talk about how that decision came about? Well, you know what, it wasn't a COVID thing. It was actually, I had done a book in 2010 um, called uh, Gold Medal Diary, which was coming out of the 2010 Olympics. And it was just a little bit of kind of behind the scenes, what happens in the village and the preparation for the Olympics. And uh, the publisher reached out and said, would you want to do another one? And I said, no, not really. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I sort of started chatting a couple months before COVID hit with them and thinking about, you know, ideas and things. And then when uh, the pandemic hit, I thought, well, you know, just some of the lessons that I've learned through sport and hockey and applying in medicine, I thought, well, maybe there's some things there that people might find interesting or inspirational or, uh, you know, we all are kind of looking for a little bit of uh, help to get the energy to get through this time. So I thought, well, maybe it would be and I had a bit more time on my hands. So I literally wrote the book uh, kind of talking into my phone as I commuted through Toronto traffic, as you know, very well. And um, it was uh, pretty, it was actually a, a more enjoyable process than I thought, but uh, kind of had to go back into the archives of my mind to start at the beginning of my hockey career and then move through all the the years in the Olympics with the national team and blending what I do now with medicine and with the Leafs. Right. Um, I mean, I love the book. There were so many things that I learned about lots of details. I mean, I think everybody kind of knows your main story, but there's lots of um, good little tidbits in there. The forward reads to my mom and dad, who taught us that a girl can do anything a boy can do. When did you start to feel and realize that that could actually be true? I, I honestly knew it from the start. I think I grew up in a very progressive household. My mom and dad are school teachers. Uh, my mom like used to teach aerobics in our little town in Saskatchewan and she would wear like the full on spandex leotard to be up there on the stage <laughs> of the local gym with like 30 men and women in the gym doing these crazy aerobics. She was like super fit and into fitness. And my dad just like, basically did whatever she said <laughs> and, and uh, no they were they were they were like volunteers in the community and and uh, my mom left when I was 10 years old my mom left for a year to go to university and at the University of Regina to, fit, uh, to upgrade her teaching degree 
so that she could continue to teach. And so my dad raised the three of us kids uh, for that year. My mom would just come home on the weekends. And so I just like, it was kind of role modeled very early on that. Like if you have ambitions and, and goals in life, you go do them. My parents have traveled the world and I think are quite worldly people and have a pretty open mind. So I didn't know any different. And then in the little town I grew up in, yes, it's uh, kind of red next to Saskatchewan, but there's a lot of really cool people that I got to be around growing up. And so it was pretty normal for me. I mean, obviously I faced resistance when I hit minor hockey and you're the only girl on the boys team and you go to all these small little towns and people are yelling at you and parents are hanging over the glass. And there were some, a lot of bad things that kind of happened, but my mom and dad sheltered me as best they could. And I didn't really care because I, I really loved the game and uh, I, I didn't like everything that went on around the game, like getting to the rink, the hours before the game, I, I remember when I was 15, I like developed an ulcer because I was so nervous um, to have to just go to the rink and just the stuff I would have to face. But ultimately, when I got on the ice, I still loved to play hockey. And that's what kept me going. Wow. Interesting. So the point of the book yeah. is to share some lessons and skills that you've kind of learned, you know, through your life and career. And there's a whole chapter on grit, which is an awesome word. Um, <laughs> how do you how do you define grit? And when did you learn, you know, how to be gritty or what, or how to, what gritty meant? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I, growing up in a small, in a small town, Saskatchewan, I mean, you have to be gritty when you come from, from that <laughs> part of Canada and, and literally the winters were 40 below. Um, and so I want, if I, I wanted to play the game at a young age, my dad and a couple of the neighborhood uh, dads built a rink in the backyard for all of our kids in the neighborhood. There was like 30 of us. And so I just spent like hours and hours out there practicing. And to me, like, you know, the grittiness comes in where, you know, it started to get hard as I got older. And it was just about kind of, at times, just putting your head down and getting through things and doing it every single day to develop what then I would call resiliency, which is sort of a lot of gritty moments blended together uh, creates a resiliency, I think, in people and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable uh, was something that I um, was very comfortable doing when I was in my career, I went and played pro men's hockey, overseas for a couple of years um I did things that were really uncomfortable in the off season I always tried to train with uh NHL players bigger stronger faster players that I could push myself and um was never really satisfied so I think the grittiness of that I had a son when I was 21 um you know being a young mom and just having to figure it all out so to me that's you know doing things that are uncomfortable every day and it, it builds that I guess, resiliency, which then builds confidence in, in what you're trying to achieve. I think you, um, I don't even like bringing this up because I reading the book, I could tell how much you hated losing, um, to the Americans at the Olympics in 1998 <laughs> Louis silver. You were 19 years old. So super young, um, still having so many lessons to learn, um, in your life. And you just talk about how hard it was to get over that. And you, you talk about Wally Kozak, who was one of your mentors, and you wrote you a note and it reads, Haley, a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it, which is an amazing message, I think, because so many of us, we kind of try and measure ourselves through our jobs that we have or the money that we make. But what's the lesson that you took from that message? 
Yeah, I was um, so totally caught up in, you know, who I was as a hockey player at, at the age of 19, going into the Olympics in Nagano, I literally did not think about losing once. Like, I was just like, we're going to win the gold medal. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> and uh, it would be years later when I was actually chatting with Mark Messier, where he talked about, you know, playing in New York in those game sevens. And he always thought about equally about winning and losing because it helped him to manage the pressure. And I realized that I didn't really do that at a young age because I was just focused on, you know, we're Canada, we're going to win. And all of a sudden we were Canada and we lost standing on the blue line, looking at those Americans with the, the gold and then hanging the, the silver medal around our necks. And it was devastating because, uh, you know, to me at that time, if we weren't winning, then I was like a failure as a person. You know, we had, I, I really came back to Canada. I just wanted to like crawl into a hole and never, never get out. I mean, I, I, felt like I let down the country, my family, my friends, and I couldn't separate the two. And Wally, um, as wise as he is at the time, he recognized I had a lot of maturing to do at that time. And so he gave me that piece of paper and I've actually put it in my wallet for years and every big game I played till I retired, I had it in my hockey stall somewhere um, just to remind me that, Hey, you're not what you do. And I think, it happens to all of us in life. Like we get really caught up in like the thing that we are. And now I'm way older and have had a lot of lessons, hard lessons that, you know, yes, I'm a doctor now I'm in medicine. I work for the Leafs, but those are not who I am necessarily at the end of the day as a person, but I didn't have that perspective when I was 19, I was all or nothing. <laughs> right. Um, vulnerability is you kind of touched on it there's a few moments during the book um, where you were vulnerable. And I feel like it's, I mean, it's a word you hear so much now in society when people talk about mental health and the importance of that. And the part in the book that stood out to me was when you wrote about how you started crying during one of your interviews to get into med school. And at the time you yeah. thought it was going to hold you back. And then you actually got in and looking back, you realized maybe that moment of vulnerability helped you. You said it yourself, you were raised to be tough as nails in Saskatchewan. What's it been like for you to try and show vulnerability, kind of try and find that part of you? I think it's really hard for everybody to do that. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. And, you know, for me, for many years, I think I read about this too in the book with the national team. I, I was, I was a leader. I mean, I started as a rookie, but I was very young, looked at as a, as a leader and uh, felt like I had to always kind of keep it together. And, you know, there were definitely moments of vulnerability through my whole national career with my teammates in different scenarios, more probably in a one-on-one -on -one scenario than a whole team. But uh, the med school thing was not uh, planned. I had just had major foot surgery. So I was like in a cast, I was on painkillers and I had to go to this interview for med school. And so I went through these stations, uh, you know, you read something on the door and then you walk into the room and for eight minutes, you answer the question that's being asked. And the very last station I got was, uh, why do you want to go to med school? And I just walked in and I couldn't, go, I couldn't keep it together. I just started to cry in front of this poor guy. And, um, you know, I think when I was thinking about, you know, my son and the journey and my foot, uh, not knowing if I was ever going to be the same again and the impact that the docs had had, on, and just like your whole life goes through your, your mind in a moment. So I, I, I actually got emotional. He passed me to clean this box. And then a few years later in the Air Canada Lounge in Toronto, I was sitting there and he came up and said, uh, do you remember me? And I said, no, I'm sorry. And he said, 
uh, your med school interview. And I right away recognized him. I went, oh my God. And, and so he <laughs> turned out to be uh, an ophthalmologist from Calgary that uh, was assigned to, to run that station. And I said, well, what did you think? He said, oh, I thought it was great. So, you know, it's, uh, it showed you were a real person and, and it was very authentic. So yeah, I think, you know, it, we probably connect as human beings through moments of vulnerability. And I try, uh, you know, I try at times to be vulnerable. It's not easy for, for all of us, but even in medicine now, I've, I've cried on several occasions with patients. Um, uh, COVID has got me a few times, um, just the emotion and the fatigue of it all. Um, I had to tell a patient recently that uh, she was a 50 year old ICU nurse that uh, she had pancreatic cancer. I had a little tear <laughs> from that. So those things get me. Uh, I think it's okay. I mean, I think if you stop feeling, you're probably not going to be a good doctor um, at the end of the day. And, and in life too, you're going to numb yourself to a lot of things. Yeah, that's um, the COVID stuff is, I can't imagine the stuff that you've been through that is, that is tough to handle for sure. Um, later in your, in your hockey career, this was one thing I didn't know about you, that you went to Europe because you wanted to change your game. You called it going from a bull to a spider type of player, which I've never heard that reference used before. But what would you... <laughs> what kind of advice would you give to people who are trying to reinvent themselves or maybe try a, try out a different side of them that they haven't before? Well, I think the, the first advice way I would be is, you, you know, the, the phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway, anything worth doing and any big change comes with uh, being uncomfortable, I think for the most part and putting yourself in vulnerable situations in places where you could fail uh, you know, for me, I guess going to Europe, uh, it could have, it could have gone well, it could have gone terribly, I was pretty sure it was going to go well, or I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone and put myself in this position where I, I couldn't play or anything like that. It just I couldn't control what the rest of the environment was going over there. So it was a big risk. Um, and I did, uh, and the women's game, I, I was very much a dominant physical player. I, I played almost like a bull in some occasions. I would just run over people, take the puck to the net where in the men's game, I had to now convert myself. I'm not going to physically overpower anybody. I'm going to have to use my mind and spacing on the ice to play more like a spider where the puck comes to me and through me. And so, uh, Daryl Belfry and myself, uh, we worked for many years together. He's a skills coach now that we work on the Leafs and he really helped uh, change and transition my game from this thinking from a bull to a spider. And it was like some painful times where he would just like shake his head on the ice and be like, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you fail a lot, you, you know, you fall down, but then eventually I did, I think, uh, navigate my game in that way. And I was able to make those changes. So for people that are, you know, you just got to go for it. Like, I, I don't really have any better advice than that. Then you just got to go for it. And you got to be, I think, okay if things don't go well and and uh, have a plan B or C or D. But, um, you know, you, you got to put the fear aside. And the courage to do it, I always say, is like one step ahead of the fear of failure, which, you know, I can remember many games with the national team. We won just because of that line alone. And uh, it served us well. Very cool. Um, Ryan Smith told you that rest is a weapon. Now, I've heard you say you're a doctor, you work for the Leafs, you have a family. Um, how on earth do you find time to, to rest? And, and uh, can you share some tips on how do you turn off? Because, you know, I, I think a lot of people have those challenges, not necessarily <laughs> as busy a plate as you have. But, uh, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, uh, on, on how you turn off. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I was pretty young. I was 06 Olympics in Torino and I was outside the saddle dome and Ryan came out playing with the Oilers and he, we were chit chatting and talking about going to Torino and he said, Oh, I'm tired. You know, I gotta, I need some time off. And he, and I saw, I, you know, I feel great at this point in the season. And he goes, you know, Haley rest is a weapon. (laughs) And I was like, ah, (laughs) he needs to rest. And so now I'm like, Oh man, was he right? Uh, When I look back and, you know, quite honestly, um, I am like a fourth line winger right now, grinding out my residency and my time with the Leafs. I don't get as much rest as I probably should and would like, but there were two things that I promised myself when I went into med school that I wouldn't sacrifice. And that was um, my fitness and my sleep. So I try to get as many nights of the week, eight or more hours of sleep as I can so that I can function, which um, you know, the correlation between sleep and and chronic and disease is like a real thing. So if you sleep more, you're going to be more healthy. We know this. Um, so I'm going to try and take my own advice and keep doing that. Um, and then the second thing is just uh, from a fitness perspective, I really believe in like movement is medicine. It keeps me sane mentally. And I just finished working out before chatting with you guys. I, I like to do it just about every day of the week that I can. Um, so those like those that is like moving rest rest doesn't always mean just like laying on the couch and watching Netflix rest can be like, you know, go outside for a walk, you know, go play golf, hang out with your friends, like just getting away from the things that are the grind for you. So for me, like it's a combination of like resting and sleeping and Netflixing and those things, but also um, just getting away from the things that make my head hurt, like medicine and hockey <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> There is so much noise out in the world today. You really do have to try and just shut it down sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. That's true. Yeah. And social media, I guess I should say like the phone, like my, the phone is my second extension. So I've tried to like have planning around, okay, I'm just going to spend 10 minutes a day on social media and sometimes just taking like a complete departure from it as, as you probably do yourself, like just Mm -hmm. putting it away because, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a good and bad to it. And you got to kind of know and use it for both, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of that, Twitter specifically, um, so you are working now, you're in the hospitals, you're working in emergency. And when all this COVID stuff um, was happening, you were in the hospital seeing all the loss and the suffering firsthand. And this is when the IOC still wanted to go ahead with the 2020 Olympics. And you were just thinking this is a really bad idea. So you decided to take a stand. You went on Twitter and you kind of made a statement against the IOC, um, which caught fire basically. But that I can't imagine what a difficult decision that was. What was that like for you making that decision and, and standing up um, against against them, I guess is the right word. Well, I, I, yeah, I was in the hospital. I was in the, in the eMERGE in Toronto that had Ontario's first COVID patient when uh, that patient came in that night. And I just remember kind of like the uncertainty within the medical staff, like the attending physician, like, what do I even wear? Like, who's going to go in the room with this patient? (laughs) And and the start of the pandemic was wild uh, being there. And then we got pulled out for a few months um, while they figured everything out. Um, but then I was back in and I was kind of watching these things unfold and I'm thinking, and I'm hearing the IOC and I'm just like, I know the IOC so well. 
And I knew the motives and they weren't in the interest of the athletes or safeguarding. I didn't think their health. And, and then I got on a few calls and I was listening to this. And I'm like, this is insane. So I remember I was laying on the floor in my living room and I had Becky Scott and Mark Tewksbury on the phone and <laughs> Becky being a longtime IOC member and Mark being on the COC. And they're both very brave, uh, outspoken people. And I just said, like, I'm going to do this, you guys. This is nuts. And they were like, go for it. I will, like, we think it's a good idea. And, you know, we'll, we'll support you. The COC will support. And so I did. So I sent the, the tweet out. And, uh, of course, right away, the IOC called me to sort of tell me, shame on you. And uh, I said, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, days later, I think just the pressure from other, other big entities started to speak out. And then they had no choice. And they probably were going to postpone anyway. But it was just taking too long. And I'd been hearing stories from athletes that were really having a hard time. And uh, finding training and it was just not fair to keep the athletes dangling as well when we knew that the games had no chance to go ahead. Amazing. Um, how has hockey prepared you for your career in medicine? I mean, they, they, they seem very kind of different paths, but I'm sure one has prepared you well for the other. How was, yeah. how was, uh, how, how was, how was hockey helped in that preparation? Well, you know what? They're both, the same in a lot of ways. Like I tell people all the time, like people in medicine are like, Oh really? And then hockey people are like, Oh really? But <laughs> um, you know, uh, probably the best way to just put the two together is one of the players got a puck in the face a couple months ago in practice. And I was running the, the practice and I ended up just stepping off the ice and stitching him up. So <laughs> I went to school for something useful. <laughs> um and he looks pretty good. You won't, you wouldn't even know it, but um, anyway, uh, they, they both complement each other. You know, everything that I uh, did in hockey, I use in medicine every day. So like, you know, the grit and the resiliency and, and the discipline and the training um, you need it in medicine. is just such a grind, especially in your residency. You're just like at the mercy of everybody else's schedules and, and you're just trying to learn. You're like a complete rookie again. Um you know, you, the self-care you learn as an athlete, like a lot of medicine is very unhealthy um, and just like valuing those things. And then teamwork, you know, medicine is a team sport and the best doctors and nurses and the whole team works together. The patient wins at the end of the day. Um, and that's not always happening. Um, and then I would say the ability to take criticism. I always tell people in medicine, like as, a, as an athlete, like we are used to, if someone tells you every single day, what you suck at and how to get better and or get better, work harder, skate faster. And in <laughs> medicine, essentially as a resident, you get told the same thing, like that procedure was bad, do better at this, learn this. And so, but a lot of med students are younger than me. Yeah. And they, they don't take criticism very well, but I, I try to say like, this is going to make you better. So anytime somebody like comes at me with something, I'm like, thank you very much. And uh, I think athletes are really good at accepting that. It's just because we grow up in that world. Right. Where, what are your thoughts on COVID? Is the end in sight? Not the end of the world. I mean, the end of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I should clarify. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sometimes, some days it feels Maybe like it. Yeah, world. not totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I feel like nobody really knows. I ask people, people way smarter than me in medicine all the time, and I, I think like somewhere between six months to a year, we'll be. This will be fizzled out into an endemic, not a pandemic, where COVID will just become part of 
life as we know it. You get your flu shot, you get your, the COVID vaccine is mixed in with the flu shot yearly. People will always likely still die from COVID like they do from the flu every year. There's, you know, many deaths from the common flu. But I think we're up in Ontario. I saw 83% have double vaxxed. If uh, we can get the country to over 90%, I think we'd be in really, really good shape. And it seems like, you know, for the most part, most people are really reasonable in doing those things. Um, and you hear the noise in the media about the anti-vaxxers and those that aren't, but that's really like the very, very small minority. And so I think that we are going to get through this slowly. I, you, you saw the travel advisory be lifted today with the government right. about mm-hmm. non-essential and other things are starting to come and we just have to get back to life. And if you are vaccinated, you know, your chances of hospitalization are very incredibly low. And in the hospital, most of the people that don't do well are unvaccinated. So we know what is going to get us out of this. We just need common sense to prevail a little more. (laughs) Right. Got it. Okay. So you're also um, the senior director of player development for the Leafs is your official title. Are you enjoying that role? Yeah, I really love uh, my job. I think it's the perfect uh, role for me right now. And uh, I I feel like it's a great spot because I, in, in some of my mind, I still feel like I'm an athlete uh, and not too far out of playing. Uh, and so I get to go on the ice on a daily basis and work with the best players in the world. You know, yesterday I was on the ice with Tavares and Matthews and Camp and Marner and all these guys. And you're just, you know, talking hockey and Jason Spezza and, you know, who I used to train with for years and these guys that, um, you know, I can, they now are just, you know, wanting some insight or whatever you have to offer. And then off the ice, uh, my role is to kind of help guide our team, make the prospects better, which is a big challenge when you have players spread out all over the world um, and a lot of work, but, you know, for the most part, uh, it's really interesting. And uh, I really like the details that go into making players better. It's what I liked as a player myself. Uh, I think like preparation is, is everything. So um, those are the parts of the game that I really enjoy. And so it's, it's a good role in that way. Okay. We will wrap this up right away. I know you have to go, but I need for every Leafs fan listening, what is your expert opinion? Are they going to get past the first round this year? Please, Finally. please, Haley. <laughs> Alex, what do you well, of course I'll say yes, because I, I do think that we have a very good team and I really believe I, I would, you know, I've been just about on the ice every daily, weekly since May with these guys and, you know, the commitment that they've had the best players to show up at the rink every day. It's like a very focused uh, environment. They're not messing around. They know that there's unfinished business that they need to perform. There's so much pressure um, and leaf nation here to win. And uh, I think half of it is just taking the pressure away and just allowing them to just play the best they can. Hockey's a weird game. You can play great and still lose. And, you know, we did see that, I think, in the playoffs. You know, they played very well and just couldn't get the puck to drop. So I think Leaf Nation, just take a breath. There's like 78 more <laughs> games to go. It's going to be a long season, but I, uh, I, I believe in this group for sure. They need to read your book and pick up some tips on how to just relax and keep things in perspective, <laughs> right? Which I think most hockey Canadian hockey fans need to do because a lot of the teams are have not been great lately. So there you go. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention off the top. Um, you probably don't remember this, but when you were playing for the Calgary Dinos and you were getting your science degree, I believe it was. I was working for CTV Edmonton at the time, and I interviewed you, and I was like, I can't believe we're 
roughly the same age. And I went back to school when I was 26. And I guess you would have gone back when you were whatever early thirties it was at the time. And I remember thinking, I can't believe you were going back to the school at this age, but you obviously wanted it so bad. And here you are 10 years later practicing doctors. So it's a great story. Um, the book is awesome. I would encourage everybody to read it. Uh, thank you again so much for this because we know how busy you are. So thanks for, for sharing the time and, and your insight with us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, you're, I always tell people you're never too old to go back to school. It took me 16 years to get my undergrad. So for those young <laughs> kids coming out of high school, don't panic. You have lots of time. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Haley. Good luck the rest of the thanks, way. Thanks, Haley. Okay. She is. Yeah. That was. That was pretty cool. So uh, well, I think my, my favorite comment was a series of gritty moments. Oh, no, a bunch of gritty moments create resiliency. I, every time we talk to an athlete, they always have some little pearl of wisdom that I, I, you know, know. I take. I think that's so cool. You know, I, I remember Luke. I remember what Luke Wilson's was. I remember it now, but I remember thinking, wow, that was very profound. And that one from Haley also was pretty profound. A, a, a series of gritty moments create resiliency. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she is. I mean, with all these athletes, it's, it's a habit, all of these things, right? Like the work ethic is, it's a habit that you just develop over time. Totally. It's grittiness. It's just a way of being, I guess, which totally. is. I think, I think you're right. I, I agree hundred percent. Right? So it's amazing that the, that the response is, is it doesn't seem forced, right? They obviously, it, it, it's a belief. It's not like a mantra that you're just repeating. It's something that you really firmly believe in when you ask the question, you respond with what you believe. So it's probably cool to see. It's, it, and it seems to be a common theme amongst professional athletes, which is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, um, I mean, we wish her the best that COVID stuff and working in the hospitals right now can't be easy. Talk about just, um, like what a thing to start your career with COVID pandemic. Absolutely. That's pretty wild. So we wish her all the best. And, uh, I think that's it for us, Al. It's a great book. Like I said, over the boards, lessons from the ice recommended to everybody. Um, not sure who we're going to have on the show next week. We're going to get somebody fantastic, though. I can feel it. It's a surprise. We'll see how it goes. You have an exceptional weekend, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Sounds great. You're listening to the Oh, Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on!